episode number 138 of the Better Yet Podcast. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is a long-form interview podcast featuring musicians and podcasters talking about influence, talking about wrestling, and talking about being around. Oh, oh, all right, Bubba, sit back, put in those tweaked audio earbuds. You're listening to an extremely special edition of better yet some daniel johnston by way of m word at the top very sad to lose daniel last week we have an exciting episode for you over here this week someone i always dreamed of having on this show colt cabana is my guest this week who is colt cabana you might be asking well if you listen to episode number 100 of this show when David Anthony interviewed me, you heard me tell him that Colt Cabana is where this show starts. Colt Cabana's Art of Wrestling podcast started in 2010, a long-form interview podcast where Colt would interview people involved in the world of professional wrestling. It changed so much about the landscape of independent wrestling, and for your friend Tim, sparked the idea of what if I took conversations like these and brought them into the world of punk and DIY. And here we are. I mean, I even stole the idea of having somebody interview me for episode number 100 from Colt. So if you're unfamiliar with Colt Cabana, unfamiliar with the world of pro wrestling, be assured that there is plenty in here for you. And if you're unfamiliar with this program and you came here just to listen to Colt, Welcome. If you like music, you like the conversation Colt and I have today, I encourage you to subscribe on your podcast player and scroll through that episode list. We've had a lot of great conversations over the years. Take a dive in if you feel so inclined. Back with it after a bit of an emotional couple of weeks. I'll say that two weeks ago, doing this intro, it had a bit of a internal conflict going i'm transitioning out of my job the future in that regard is unclear for the first time in a very long time and that put me in this headspace where it felt like doing this podcast was a poor use of my free time i can't think of too many times i've had that sort of identity crisis with better yet but those sorts of moments always tend to be the time where I do a thing that I've always wanted to do, kind of this, ah, fuck it, I'll just go for it attitude. I talk myself off of the ledge and then talk myself into sending an email to Cole Cabana saying, hey, I've been doing your podcast, but in the world of punk and DIY for a few years now, would you like to come over? And here we are. Also... We're sitting on a nice backlog because I sent a lot of emails in that time and had a lot of people come over to talk. Is it an unproductive way to spend my free time given the fact that I need to find myself a new job? I don't know. Maybe, but I'm still happy doing this show and still excited about the quality of what I'm doing and excited to introduce y'all to a new sponsor. Brindle Book Club. Now, it can be hard to figure out what to read. The back 
of a book really doesn't tell you anything. Reviews tend towards summary and commercial booksellers leave you feeling empty and cold. Wouldn't it be great if there was a small group of book nerds dedicated to sending you quality reads? Brindle Book Club is a new literary subscription service that puts together the best paperback fiction from past and present and sends it to your door once a month. Choose from any of Brindle's five subscription lines, like Decorated, which features award-winning novels worth the hype, or Criminal, featuring mysteries and thrillers from around the world, drawn from the neo-noir to avant-garde. Better yet, listeners can save five bucks off their first month by using the code Better Yet, all one word, at checkout. Shipping is free. Books go out the first of every month. Go to brindlebook.com. That's B-R-I-N-D-L-E bookclub.com. Use offer code better yet and start reading that good shit today. Very excited to be partnering with Brindle for the next few weeks. Miranda Winters of Milk Belly and the Better Yet Hall of Fame let me know about this thing. It's just getting started. I really like the idea, so I said I'd be glad to do these little add-ons in exchange for a few books. So I'm signed up for the Criminal series. So now I'm reading The Thief by Fuminori Nakamura. It's this very cool, dark, noir, weird existential stuff. See, here's the thing. Here's the problem that I have with books, and it's one that they missed in the ad copy, is that I I do this thing with books where I get hung up on on needing to read these things that just end up feeling like homework this dense text that i read like i gotta write a paper on it so it's nice to get a good page turner sent to me but one that's challenging and a little rewarding with some deeper text stuff going on all this stuff is very well curated and it's done by good people so go help them out i'm not getting paid for that because this show is supported by Patreon. Now listen up because we've got some new terms on the Patreon. Since I can't steal coffee from work, there's no more coffee subscription. We're keeping things simple over there. You can pledge a couple bucks a month just to say thanks. Keep going. If you pledge $5 a month, you'll have access to two pieces of audio a month, two exclusive pieces of audio a month. We'll talk about new music or specialty programming, boutique audio, if you will, or like we did this week, just throw next week's interview up early. And that interview is a ripper. It'll make you feel safe, but also no fear, if you know what I mean. $10 a month, you get the bonus audio. And this is new doing a custom mixtape. So you give me five bands you love, and I'll make you a tape, customize it, and I'll send it to you, along with a digitized form. Let's be real. Go on over to patreon.com slash Podcast and sign up. All right. My guest this week, Cole Cabana. He's not a musician, but he's a comedian, a podcaster, and most importantly, a professional wrestler Colt is a Chicago native trained here and made his name on the independent circuits in the early 2000s working with guys like Daniel Bryan Austin Aries 
CM Punk. He'd work his way to a short stint with the WWE, but things would really change for him in 2010 when he started the Art of Wrestling podcast, a long-form interview podcast, an entryway into the minds, the souls, the hearts, and the lives of people involved in the world of professional wrestling. Colt would sit down weekly with a guest and talk about their journey, offering a peek into the locker room that felt like a revelation to any fan but also gave insight into Colt's world of making a living off of wrestling all while hosting the type of audio content that you're counting down the days to hear. Or you're saying, I like to try and do that. A lot has changed in the wrestling world since 2010, especially when it comes to the internet and Colt's influence on the wrestling, pardon the pun, boom, of the past few years it's all a result of cabana and the art of wrestling something that came out of a particularly tough period in his career and propelled him forward if you're not a wrestling fan there's so much to latch on to in Colt's story if you are a wrestling fan i'll address this at the top we don't get into the cm punk stuff but we get into plenty so let's get to it here's me and Colt cabana what what would define that as being a real or fake Hoosiers picture? Oh, that could be you and your friends dressing up in the nineteen <laughs> forties. From here, I can't even tell. It just I see an H and it looks like old yeah old uh, old basketball. Well, in that in that sense, it's it's genuine. That's from the actual who the, the team the Indiana the Indiana team. Yeah. Mm. Well, the movie. It's genuine from the movie, based on the team. Oh, see, yeah, there yeah. you go. That's a fake one too. Well, yeah. All right, we're not gonna we're not gonna get too much into what's real and what's fake with the wrestler on, right? <laughs> but yeah, you ever have those moments where I, I I've been doing this for a while now, and I'm I'm in like a career transition phase. And so. by doing this, you mean talk like living? Yeah, I've been, <laughs> I've been doing this for way longer than I thought I would at this point. <laughs> But no, I've been doing this podcast for what three, three and a half years, and trying to find a new job, and then doing trying to, you know, and I'm just like, this is your it. job. I wish Vulture says everyone can make money at podcasting. I yeah, maybe maybe if I chose, uh, you know, an industry where people were paying things just in general because nobody pays for records anymore. But except for you, look at you. I know, <laughs> I know. We you've the, bought them all, all of them. Um, Sorry, I keep cutting you off. No, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, those moments where you're just like, ah, fuck it. So I was like, uh, Wednesday night, I was like, ah, I want to quit this thing, and then I talked myself out of just saying that I was done, and then I was like, oh, now I'll email Cole Cabana. That'll be like my fuck it moment. So thanks for uh, thanks for helping and me. I, and if you said no, I probably would have quit. Oh, I was so clean. You know, do you want to go through my process of doing this? Yes. Sure. It's uh, no. Uh-huh. I don't. Fi- who? 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 What? And then it was just like, ugh, he's close. Close enough. He's close to me. I mean, oh. you're ten minutes from me. I was even closer not too long ago. I was up at uh, like Irving Park and and Elston. But you, you ever get those moments where you're just like, ah, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to, like, do something. And if it doesn't pan out, like, 
whatever. I mean, you've been doing... Well, that's what my podcast was, I guess. Although I had a little bit of a idea that it would probably be popular based off of stuff. But I think everything I've done... You know, I've done web series and all that type of bullshit that it's just like you're doing it and it didn't pan out, but I enjoyed doing it. And so I, I do stuff to enjoy it. Yeah. I'm not. I'm really not doing stuff where I'm not enjoying it. So that's good. Yeah, that's good. You're coming to a close with the art of wrestling now, though. Yes, although I, there's been some different uh, some different business dealings. Yeah. So I might be. I actually might be doing um, like a like a batch within uh, like putting out a binge's worth. Yeah. But uh, basically, I was doing it every single week for nine and a half years. That's so long. It's so long. And I made money from it. You know, mm-hmm. first three years, I didn't make any money from it. But I did because I gained a following. Uh, I, I sold T-shirts. I had people come to my shows. I was uh, selling, like, um, whatever. Like, stuff was coming from it, not necessarily a company going, yeah. talk about Hulu Plus. Right, right, right. And then a company said, here, talk about Hulu Plus. And I was like, I'm not doing, or they were like, a company was like, talk about dick, will you talk about dick pills and Adam and Eve? And I was just like, I'm not doing that. And then they're like, well, what's your listenership? And I was like, here. And then they're like, well, here's how much you'd make. And I'll be like, I will oh, talk yep. about Adam and Eve. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could not believe that. See, that's the thing is I, I, I sell myself short when i don't even have to like i've never looked at my listenership once whoa i know what my rss hits are but i know that that doesn't mean anything but uh yeah you know we we should we should talk about I think that's what that. your listenership is right your rss is. well if that's the case then like hell yeah i maybe i could get paid a little bit all right just enough all right um but but well it's nice to hear that you have some going because i'm i'm looking at it and it's like nine years and if that were me I would be sitting there thinking, oh, God, I just want, if I could just make it to 10 for no reason other than to make it to 10 years. So did I did, you, you I did that once. That I did that once, but it has nothing to do. I played college football uh-huh. and I was ready to quit after day two. Uh, and I said to myself, I just have, I got to play out this year. Otherwise, I'm a quitter and right. pathetic. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to show up early, like leave. So imagine like senior year of high school. All my friends, we loved it, and I cut the summer short to go to college football on a preferred walk-on. Uh-huh. I wasn't even a, a real scholarship boy, uh, but I got, had to go there early because I was a preferred walk-on. And after day two, I was like, what am I even doing here? Why am I even a part of this? Everyone is so much bigger and better than me. No one likes me. I didn't have any friends. Um, and then, But I was just like, I said I was going to go play college football. You can't just quit after day two. Right. So I played out the whole season, and then afterwards – told the coach I was transferring to another school, which I obviously didn't because I'm too lazy to do that. Uh-huh. And uh, he was like, I could help you get into another school. I was like, no, thank you. I'm already set, which I was not. And I was done. And I was, uh, and the breath of fresh air that came out of me, knowing that I didn't have to get bullied anymore by a, by a college uh, um, football coach, knowing that I didn't have to wake up for those extra practices to do a thing that I was never going to do in general, yeah, uh, was amazing. So, yes, last Thursday was the first time I was supposed to put up an episode. Didn't put one up, and it was pretty great. Just put your damn feet up. It's, you didn't have to look at Twitter for a minute. Didn't have to post on Twitter for a minute. That's nice. Didn't have to do the usual thing. And I and what I like about that is because I stopped doing college football, I was able to then say, hey, now I can finally play professional play professional. Well, that's true. I can probably play <laughs> professional wrestling. 
And I don't know what the next step is for me now, but I just know that I'm going to stop putting up this weekly podcast, and I know it's going to open up my brain for something that will come in. I don't know what it is yet, but it's going to be something, and that makes me excited. And I feel like that's kind of the bookend on, on the other side is I went back and listened to the first episode of Art of Wrestling, and <laughs> this was... I, I actually I've listened to all of them since we talked. No, um, <laughs> but but when you when you come on the first time, it's it's like you know what I'm at a WWE. They chased me out of Ring of Honor. I got a no from TNA. So now I'm doing this thing, and let's see where it goes. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, right. I guess it's a pretty cool time capsule of my life. And people are always like, you're gonna write a book, and I was always like, well, I I feel all the information is in these podcasts that I did for the past nine years. So yeah, um, yeah, it is a different time. I was thirty then. I'm almost forty now. So, um, it's I don't know what it's gonna be, but something fun. That's what I'm hoping for. So where'd you grow up? Deerfield. Deerfield. Are you a are you a Chicago area guy or a it, Chicago guy? Yeah, short story of it. Yeah, suburbs. Grew up in New Jersey, but then came out here. Dad got a different job. Lived in Crystal Lake. You ever wrestled as a out in kid? Crystal Lake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a different job as a kid. My dad. Your dad. Got My dad got a different okay. job when I was a kid. Uh, no, we used to play basketball up there. I feel in high school. Yeah. Uh, um, College of Lake Lake, Lake County is that Crystal Lake? No, that's McHenry County. Okay, because I we used to wrestle up there, and I just actually uploaded some old matches. Oh yeah. Uh, from wrestling at CLC. Oh. But nice. I've done some a little thing up up north. You know, that's what we do. Uh, yeah. As a wrestler, especially early in the wrestling days, it's just wherever the gigs are, you try to find them. Whoever's booking a a, a place, just much like a whoever's booking a venue and putting up some music, whoever's right going to put up a wrestling, going to let us give, have a wrestling ring. We it find could those be places. Cool. It could be cool. If it's not cool, then we won't go back there. Right? Or if they I don't, for wrestling, it's not even if it's not cool. If it's like if they if they're if they're okay with us being there, right? We'll find a way to try to put up a show. <laughs> so, uh, so what'd your folks do? My mom uh, was the, uh, a teacher uh-huh. uh, for uh, a, a Chicago public school teacher, 30-something years maybe. Wow. And uh, my dad uh, was in the schmata business. Schmata. Yeah. He was selling rags. Oh, okay. He's, he's, uh, he sold urban clothing right. for years. Right. Uh, salesman. T- you know, he would, he, would, he would get the lines and then back, back in the day, I imagine the business is so different now, but uh-huh. uh, he had, let's say when I was a kid, kid, he had Jordash. Okay. Uh, Jordash and Zeppelin jeans, but Jordash was the main one. So he was the Midwest representative of Jordash jeans. And then he would go to all of the, all of the stores within the Midwest and he would fill out an order. What do you need? How many yeah. Jordash? And then he would supply it and he would make a commission off of it. Kids are loving these Jordash jeans. <laughs> well, I went to college off of Janko jeans. Oh, there you go. Yeah, my dad had my dad had the Janko line when it was super hot uh, in the late 90s. And he made a lot of money off of Janko jeans. My freshman year roommate wore Janko jeans. Oh, this was 2006. And I was Hold like... Hold on to him? I was like, yeah, this is a, this is a little late for that. That style you got going there, my friend. Well, at that point, he wasn't. So, he was selling uh, Sean John kids. By that oh, point. sure, sure. I mean, it's it's amazing how Sean John was able to continue after you know breaks up with J Lo, still recovering from that shooting. But Sean John did well, right? That that lasted well into the what late aughts. I feel so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did well. <laughs> we had a, my dad uh, had Echo for a for a day. Yeah, and then decided to get rid of Echo and go to Sean John, 
Um, and then that Ed, was probably a mistake. It was yeah. a mistake. Sean John was pretty good, but Echo obviously became something that no one knew it was going to. But we, I still had the sample. So every day I would wear my Echo sweatshirt to school because we would get samples. And so uh-huh. I just, me and my friends, we all just had samples of my friends, my high school friends. We just had samples of what my dad had in the garage. That was all of our clothing. <laughs> uh, and we grew up in the in the, uh, the the Jewish white suburbs of Deerfield. Right. And uh, there was uh, there was like seven of us. Six of us were white. One was uh, a mixed. Uh-huh. And so because we had one mixed guy in oh, our friend a, group. Yeah, it's okay. We were the right. real thugs of Deerfield <laughs> High School. <laughs> so the, the question that I always ask on, on this podcast is, was there music in the house growing up? So I guess for you, was there wrestling in the house? Well, I could answer up? music. Well, yeah, we could. I'll but, just, there wasn't much, but my uh-huh. mom. But we, my mom, always listened to the oldies, and that yeah. was always on in the car. And you're you've you've said many times over, you're not a you're not a big music. I'm guy. not a music head, right? <laughs> <laughs> so so, I think I feel like every wrestler has their their rowdy piper moment. I, every wrestling fan has their rowdy piper moment too, or something where it's just like, what is this? And then you're there until you're not, or you're an adult. Right. My mom. Didn't like wrestling. My dad was a very casual wrestling fan. Not a huge wrestling fan. Very casual. And my memory is he was watching it. And I was on the floor watching it with him. And I was... Uh, it's That's my first memory of, of, the, of television, of wrestling in general. Was Andre the Giant getting his hair cut. If you look back at it now, it was Ken Patera and Big John Studd was cutting his hair uh-huh. in the middle of the ring. Not like a casual haircut at the barber's, you know, a wrestling haircut. Just they hanging were, out. Yeah, they were holding him down. They were uh-huh. cutting his hair. And if I look back, that was, I, I, I believe, in 1983. So I was three years old. Wow. Yeah, or, or maybe early 84, but I was three years old at the time. So it's kind of cool that I can remember the memory and then go back and look at it. And also with YouTube, you can go watch it, right? Yeah, for <laughs> yeah. sure. So I can pinpoint the memory of watching that as it was being played, uh, you know, on the USA channel or whatever it was. So was it, um, was it something that you're just growing up with and they're sort of like, okay, that's, that's a thing that he's into. Sure. And it just never really goes away. Obsessed with it, fascinated with it. And I say this a lot is just, I was a sports kid. I loved sports, Mm -hmm. but I was also, uh, I was born in 1980. So I was a kid of GI Joe, He-Man, Ninja Turtles, um, uh, and then also I think of, I always think of like Bloodsport and like Jean-Claude oh, yeah. Van Damme movies and that oh, yeah. kind of stuff so I just found wrestling was like I believe if looking back on it in a psychiatrist type of way for myself uh-huh. it was just the ultimate mix of sports and entertainment I know that sounds stupid because they call it sports and entertainment right now but it just had everything I was looking for yeah, absolutely. and comp- I loved like I always go back to blood sport it was just like this tournament and you knew there was going to be a winner and you got to see all these different characters playing in it so mm-hmm. um, and and the same goes almost for when I, you know baseball and basketball like uh the sweet 16 you know the the NCAA championship it's just like there's this tournament there's going to be a definitive winner and there's all these characters and in basketball it's whatever it's Duke and North Carolina or right. you know, the Bears right. and, the, and the Packers and and it is about you look back and it's like it is about how they market those teams, you know the '85 Bears or just the, the characters with on the you know you think of the Detroit, right? Uh, the bad boys. Yeah, it, it's it's all, yeah. You you fill all the roles, sort of as the story is taking place, but certainly retroactively. I think the thing that I love more than 
almost all individual sports is just watching like a 60 minute thing on ESPN that just tells the story. Mm. And I think that that comes from wrestling because the story is there. They make sure that that's like a 30 part for of the 30, focus. you mean? Yeah. Or like any sort of retrospective on like one championship season, mm. things like that. Yeah, they used to have that for football back in the day. That guy's voice was like iconic, right? And you get those like free Sports Illustrated yeah. tapes. Yeah, yeah. So and and you're going because I know you went to WrestleMania 13. Yeah. Um, when did you discover like independent wrestling? Were you going to local shows? Well, there's different discoveries for different things. I when we would take well, I guess anytime we went to Walgreens or any kind of bookstore, you you look for the magazine. So that was before mm. the internet was the wrestling magazines. And I would devour those magazines from front to front to end, right? So yeah. in the beginning, the first whatever pages it is, it's WWF, WCW, and then there's these other things. There's uh, miscellaneous. Mm-hmm. And you just say to yourself as a 10-year-old or 12-year-old, like, what is this? They're in the magazine. They're still wrestlers. Um, and so that was my first... There was like the rankings, and there was like NWA Mid Atlantic, and just Windy yeah. City Championship Wrestling, sure, USA Pro, and there's just all these other promotions that you don't see on TV, but you know they're a thing. And not only do you know they're a thing, they're a big enough thing to be in these wrestling magazines, right? So you know it's something. So that was my first discovery of like life outside of WWF or WCW. And also, you know, Glow was on TV, and so you're like, I know there's oh, sure. other stuff. Right. AWF was on TV when I was a child. Uh, and then there was uh, there was Windy City Wrestling, which was on Sports Channel when I was uh-huh. a kid. And then uh, also there was some Memphis wrestling that aired uh, on the U Saturday mornings before Windy City Wrestling. So there was always some kind of bootleg miscellaneous wrestling on television just in like different places and different places piecing it together yeah and then you have to be the ripe age for ecw when that's coming out that has to just be blowing your mind right you're a teenager yeah. when when that shit's right happening? i was 15 or 16 right. and i discovered it uh it, through the magazines uh-huh and yeah i kind of I, I feel that's what saved me as a wrestling fan ecw of course was just like like you said, like the it was it was literally the alternative, and it was at a point where the WWF was like uh, clowns and surfers and right. just like kind of like just real cheesy kid stuff. That's when I came up too, so I have like this weird affinity. I went to WrestleMania 11, so I think that's probably the worst one. <laughs> but this like strange affinity for like that era of. Diesel being the champion, even though I know looking back, like he wasn't really fighting anybody good or anything <laughs> yeah. like that. And as a teenager, it has to just be like, oh, come on. But and then what's the equivalent always... of ECW is just it's that it's when you find no FX or something, right? Is that a bad yeah. example? <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's good, it's good. Um, no, for anybody, anybody out there who has a problem with that, you can take it up with me. I just You're know that great. that was the punk kids yeah. in high school. Like right. they had no FX patches. Yeah, I was like, I don't know who that is, but uh-huh. I could see the way that these kids are handling themselves. Right, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. It's like you go here, and then it leads you down to different places. Right. So when you're when you're grown up, then you're you're doing sports and stuff like that. Wrestling is that something that is out of the question, or is it? This is exactly what I want to do. You mean before I got into wrestling? Yeah. Yeah, I wa- that's what I wanted to do. I remember when the internet became a thing on AOL, I was probably 12 or 13, 
I remember there was a company called APW in San Francisco, California, and I remember like with like WinApp or whatever, you know, like you would download this like yeah. sixty second thing, and it would just be like a small. It, w- it wasn't big, so it was like a small uh, square in the in the side of your computer. And I would see some of their garage wars, right? Quote unquote garage wars. Uh-huh. That was the show. And they made it sound so cool. They're like, Garage Wars 92, badass. And then you see just like 100 people in a garage. But the way they marketed it just seemed cool. And like also, I'd never seen anything like that. So I was like, Oh man, this is underground wrestling. This looks badass. And I remember at one point they had like, Come out for the summer. Like they had like, a, they were promoting like a summer camp. I was like, Mom, uh-huh. you know, like it was for like kids kind of like, yeah. you know, like, hey, you don't have to go to this isn't wrestling school, but come for a week, kind of learn what wrestling's about. And I was like, Mom, I must go to this. And she wouldn't let me. But that was like my first idea of like, hey, I can at least get in a ring and wrestle around. Right. And so uh, as time went by, like I, in high school, I would read the, they would call them the dirt sheets. I would get the, the torch, which right. is like. I guess a zine, right, 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 for um for for inside scoops wrestling, and I would just read everything, and I knew I couldn't get to the WWF. I knew I was just a a pudgy Jewish kid from the suburbs of Chicago, right? Uh-huh. But I did know that like I could do. But you're athletic enough. Yeah. I was an athlete, and mm-hmm. I, and I could, I could do the the small scene. Mm-hmm. I could wrestle at Garage Wars. Yeah, those sure. guys looked like me, uh-huh. you know. And so I had this vision of just like wanting to be a wrestler. So I could do Garage Wars type shows, uh-huh. independent wrestling shows. Like that was like it really clicked for me that I could do this because of that scene, and I liked arena wrestling, WWF, WCW, but those guys didn't look like anything I wanted. Didn't look like anything I looked like, and I knew I, I've never I I'm not straight ed, straight edge. I don't associate, I don't call myself straight edge, but I do not drink, I do not smoke, I do not do drugs, I don't partake in any of it. So I just knew I wasn't going to be a steroid guy. Right. So I knew I was going to look what I was going to look like. And it probably wasn't going to be like what Steve Austin or Ricky Steamboat or Hulk Hogan or any of those guys looked like. Right. Even the smaller guys are still cut in a way that's just yeah. yeah. And I've always had this little tummy on me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's good because you got the the singlet. Yes. Nobody notices. Oh, well, uh, Except you pointed me. out enough for for people to notice, <laughs> yeah. but so so you go to college and then you're just like fuck this, I'm out, I'm going to I'm going to wrestling college now. Yeah. So you go to to Ace Steel, right? Yeah, the Steel Domain, which was on six six corners here in uh, Irving Park in oh, Chicago. Really? Yeah. I didn't know it was right there. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. On Irving Park, across from the Dairy Queen, it's not there anymore, but there's a. There's a few a Dairy storefront. Queens are where they used to be. That's <laughs> no, the just... Dairy Queen's still there. Oh, okay. Yeah, the the, the training center's not there anymore. <laughs> so, the stories that you hear about about wrestling trainers or training schools, it's like it's either criminal assault and uh, theft on on one end, and then the like legitimate. Uh, teachers and 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 good life coaches and and all of that steel i think is closer to the to the well, latter it was, it was a steel and danny dominion okay danny dominion was all it was just as much my trainer if not more than a steel okay because ace was ace was living in st louis at when i signed up but then two weeks later he had moved back to chicago mm-hmm. um yeah they were great yeah um and I had I looked when I because I was going to school in Kalamazoo. I didn't quit college. I, I stayed in college, and I looked up schools in Kalamazoo and or when I lived in Kalamazoo. And two two wrestlers were doing kind of some school stuff up there. 
Bastion Booger was one of them, Mike Shaw, <laughs> who has since passed away. But I remember reading on the internet saying like he didn't train much. He just sat in the corner and told people what told other right. kind of just collected money. Yeah. And for do you some reason, that Tommy's gonna gonna do any better in Bastion Booger school? Well, right. It's still pretty legendary. He <laughs> yeah. was Bastion Booger, Norman the Lunatic. To me, he was a legend. Yeah. I, I didn't know any anything. I didn't know why would I know better at the time? Right. Hindsight, obviously. And Dan Severn was the other one. And I think I almost like might have gone to Dan Severn's school, uh-huh. but um, I don't know. It just didn't work out. I just didn't end up going there. Um, hindsight, I probably should have. But in between freshman and sophomore year, I started training. I went to Danny Danny's school. He was young. He was in shape. He knew. He looked like he was very passionate about it. Um, he didn't promise me anything. I liked that actually. Yeah. Because I, I, when I was in high school, my dad took me to Windy City Wrestling to talk to Sam Desero, and uh, Sam Desero and my dad got in a fight. Uh, not a phys- what? not a physical one. <laughs> Just uh, I, th- I think Sam Desero didn't want to take. He's a- like Echo's not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My dad tried to sell him some urban clothing <laughs> on the side. Um, uh, I don't know. Like I think like Sam like was just like i don't know when we could have a meeting and my dad is a total businessman uh-huh he was just like why would like i'm willing to pay money what you know and that's kind of the the yin yang of of the carny of wrestling not the carny of wrestling but just like the eh, of wrestling and my dad in real business life right sure so uh so i ended up having a meeting with sam's assistant uh-huh mike gratchner who's actually not a legendary name in chicago but he's just one of those guys who had been around forever sure um so I had seen their training a little bit, and then I watched Danny do his training. And oh, it, with Wendy C, they're like, "We'll put you on TV right away." And I remember I asked, uh, Sam, I asked Sam DeSero this. I was like, "Well, am I allowed to go do other shows too?" And he's like, "No. Why would you want to go do other shows?" Which is their mentality at that place, Wendy City Wrestling. Right. But my mentality was just like, I want to be like Reckless Youth, who was like the number one independent wrestling star at the time, and he was all over the magazines, uncontracted, and he wrestled everywhere. And mm-hmm. I thought like, oh, that's the key is I want to wrestle in every state, everywhere. And Windy City Wrestling was like, you can only wrestle with our promotion. And then when I went and trained with Danny, Dominion and A Steel, they were like, we don't have a promotion. So we're going to try to get you work wherever you can get it if you're good enough. Right. And so that was kind of what sold me. Um, but the main thing that sold me was that they were just they were young and in shape and looked like wrestlers. So when you're when you're training with them and then eventually is it they're taking you out to promotions that are nearby and you're working short matches with them in other promotions so that you can kind of get the feel for what you're doing exactly outside of like just chain wrestling and yeah. running well, the, the ropes. The first thing I did was I was Rock and Randy Ricci was running a promotion in Wisconsin. And he was his ring was stored at the Steel Domain, so they would come. Rock and Randy for the NAWF would come and grab his ring on the weekends and go to shows and put it up. And he would always say, "If anybody wants to help put up the ring," and I was like, "Of course I do. Yeah. I want to do anything with wrestling. I didn't know that was an option." And I started helping with the ring. And then I think what happens is eventually they're like, "This kid's helping with the ring. We feel bad. Let's ask him if he wants to wrestle." But that was never my intention. Right. I just thought it was cool. I got to even put up a ring. Totally. You know, so eventually I did it so much. He was just like, well, can you wrestle? And then I said, you have to ask Danny if I'm ready. They asked Danny and Ace. And they said, yeah, if there's a veteran, a guy, you know, and I my first match was with a guy named Eric Freedom. They're like, if he, you know, if listens to Eric and Eric t- tells him what to do and don't be an asshole and be nice and, cord- you know, cordial. And, and that's what I did. And that's kind of how the whole ball started rolling. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then Rock and Randy would would just be like we got a show next two or next Saturday. You want to be on it? I would say of course. 
and it was just that's kind of how it first started. And then you you start going. You meet Punk at, at Ace Steel's school, right? And Danny Dominion. And Danny Dominion. I'm yes. so I don't know why. I just always <laughs> go to. I just always go to Ace. It's okay. Um, and then what? You kind of start things going for yourselves by just basically going to different places and working your match, right? Like you and Punk have a match that you bring to different places and that's so it's the mentality of the of wrestlers and it's probably the same in 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 bands where if you get to a certain point you're like i'm not going anywhere if it's not this amount of money Uh uh-huh right and so i think danny and ace they would go to shows where let's say they would they wouldn't work for less than a hundred dollars right and so they wouldn't, and then they would also look down on punk places. Like this place sucks. They they can't even give us a hundred bucks. Yeah. And we wanted to wrestle punk and I, of course. So, um, so we would go anywhere for any amount of money. And they would be like, "What are you doing? Like, why would you go there?" And we're just like, "We just want to wrestle. It doesn't. We don't care about the money. You're getting your reps in. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually, because Danny and Ace got their reps in with Windy City Wrestling, who gave them the work. So they, I don't think they ever really hustled that hard to get the work. Um. So we were learning about hustling to get work. Yeah, and then eventually got to the point where they, where Dan, or at least Ace was just like, "Hey, you guys are wrestling all over the place and kind of making a name for yourself. Do you mind if I kind of come with? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, or, or maybe we were like, "Hey, can you come?" And, and he, and at first they're like, "Well, we're not wrestling for a hundred. And it's like, "Well, it's, it's forty dollars, but you'll be wrestling us, and it's there's a lot of cool people, and you'll get to meet a lot of, you know, like, and then." Ace went to do it, and then like all of a sudden, people started liking Ace Steel, and then Danny was just like, "Oh, no one's talking about me," uh-huh. much like you did in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then so Danny started coming along a little bit, but at that point, he wasn't as dedicated to making a name. For, he 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 wanted to make the, the WWF uh-huh. or nothing. Yeah, and it, that wasn't my mentality, and I and I can't speak for Punk, but I assume that wasn't his mentality because if I didn't think I looked like I was ready for the WWF, I don't think he thought he was ready for the WWF. So. We were just like we just want to do these shows, and um, and so that's what we did. We just we just we weren't looking to be like Danny Dominion wanted. To, I think wanted to look the part and be in the gym more than he wanted to wrestle because he was waiting for the call, right, for the big time. So I guess where does it where does it come in? Is it is it something as simple as well? We just want to wrestle, so we're gonna go there and wrestle, or is there, I guess, a greater thought process to it? Like you know, if we go here. It might be cool, and then maybe we could go back, and maybe people would talk about it. Or is it just as simple as we want to wrestle? We want to wrestle in front of a different crowd. Well, at that point, we thought we didn't have to go back so they could talk about it. We were like, we're gonna wow them the first time, yeah, and they're gonna be talking about us. So then we can we don't even have to go back. We can go somewhere else. Uh huh. You know, we, we went to IWC, and they they were blown away by it. So they know. So Pittsburgh knows that we're the best. So now we're going to show Ohio, and now we're going to show Indianapolis, and now we're going to show you know Louisville, and then uh, and then you do get a rotation where they invite you back, and you're like, oh yeah, of course we, you know, if the date's open, we'll take anything. So is it? I guess this is a, an interesting time in wrestling too, because you no longer have WCW; it's been acquired by the WWE. Mm-hmm. ECW has folded. Has Ring of Honor? started yet or it's getting its legs around this I started time. in 99 wrestling uh-huh. Ring of Honor started in 2001 I believe yeah um or 2002 2002 I'm interested in in you talked about the chat rooms is it still like a chat room era of things is that how you're finding out about things that are going on is it still that simple you know when, when did I talk about, about the chat room sorry you, you talked about it when 
you had AOL at home. Are we still, oh, okay. when you're wrestling, is it still you're a little finding bit out of message boards? Message boards? Yeah, yeah, a lot of message boards and a lot of um, newsletters and um, yeah, forums. And MySpace is the eventual thing. I love listening to the old ones and you just talk about MySpace <laughs> and you met everybody on MySpace because yeah. that's what that's what well, before, music was was for a while it was MySpace was the way you booked tours. Before MySpace it was AIM was very big. Yeah. Was getting into and also kind of like um messenger chat rooms where all of a sudden you're in I guess it's like it's I think Text message, like big text message, group text message is a little invasive because it's right in front of you. But when you can go on a computer and you're chatting with friends, then yeah, you start, you know, like if it's me and another Chicago wrestler and we met somebody in Pittsburgh and then he invites somebody from California, then it's just this weird network of everyone who we're all kind of losers. It's not like we're partying. So we're all just kind of on the computer at night, you right. know, and we're just, if we're not wrestling, we're just sitting on the computer doing nothing. And so, Everybody from all these different regions are now becoming friends in these AM, AIM chat rooms. And that's how you say, like, hey, you know, I think I can get you on this show. Hey, can you do this show? And that's just kind of how your network expands without that isn't the plan. And because I, I don't, you know, whenever and now that I'm like a quote unquote businessman or whatever, like I'm in this weird business world where people are talking about networking and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, right. it's just so gross. Yeah. Yeah. But you just did that. But you've been or, doing that organically. you just didn't know yeah, yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. don't put that label once you uh-huh. put that label on it i'm not gonna want to do it sure and that's probably how i become more of a shut-in or something is because people are explaining that this is a thing to to up your brand or whatever it's so funny like you know I've, i'm applying for jobs i've been at the same coffee place i was at buzz you were you were living over in wicker for a while mm-hmm. right? uh, buzz on damon we just moved to logan a couple of years ago i've been with them for forever and i'm trying to find real jobs now yeah. and i'm like what the fuck? I've just been working at a coffee shop, but I've been doing things in there. Yeah. And when I put it onto a resume, it's like, oh shit, look at I've been communicating with people from across <laughs> the world ordering coffee. That's yeah, that's a thing. It's it's wild when you look at it, I guess, through the different types of lenses to right, say. But like, you should have been able to meet somebody there who Oh, but I've been so cranky there Who for the past. Could give you a hookup on a on a job. I know. Man. I've I've been so I've been cranky for like four years <laughs> at that job. I really fucking overstayed my welcome. Um, you told this story to Marin, um, and you have on on Art of Wrestling before, but you're wrestling AJ Styles and you trip him. Yeah, and the crowd goes wild. I just uh, found my old VHSs and I've been changing them to MP4s and I just found that clip and I, and I have it on my computer at this moment. I was watching it just the other day. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, and you talk about that moment kind of being your like your aha because before then your character wasn't how we know it now. But from there you kind of decide, all right, I can I can do this thing where I can integrate comedy into wrestling. And um I guess tell me about the beginnings of that because it's it's one of those ideas. It's like oh, it makes so much sense, but I could also see riding in a car with you and you saying that. And I could be like, yeah, that sounds kind of stupid. Well, I a lot of it stems before when I was wrestling for a company called IWA Mid South, and I was their big number one baby face, right? Which mm-hmm. I was the good guy, and then the guy Ian Rotten who ran the promotion, he found another someone he liked more than me. Uh-huh. I, I wasn't the golden child anymore. 
And there was, I was a little sad by it, and there's a chip on my shoulder. And then he, he, he said, yeah, you could be a bad guy if you want. And so I changed myself from good guy to bad guy, became a heel. And I really, like, all that anger that I had, I, I played it out on this character that I had. And I was just being a loudmouth shithead, uh, not caring. I really didn't care because I could tell he didn't care. Uh-huh. And through that, you know, your true self comes out. And my true self was this comedian that was coming out. Uh-huh. And so, uh, although I was being a bad guy, in in my head, what a bad guy is is when I, and when I don't care is this comedic aspect. And I was just making myself laugh and making everyone laugh. And so it was probably the worst bad guy because I was all of a sudden becoming a really good guy because I had this cool attitude. You right, know? <laughs> right. But it's it's simple. It's it's slapstick, and there's that's like a language that's never gonna die it's always gonna be funny to trip somebody <laughs> yeah i i mean but i didn't know until uh, i didn't care you know and i think a lot of that's what a lot of people find their success is if you don't you know you, you don't know until you don't care and when you don't care it comes and then the key is to how do you take that attitude and success of not caring now that you care right <laughs> and keep it still in the don't care era yeah you know? yeah you found this thing by accident how do i help make it continue to grow without getting in the way mm-hmm. because i obviously didn't do this on purpose right <laughs> so then once you care you start really like breaking it down and then that could take that could take away right and that was the key but i i did i did right with that trip with aj styles i was like there's something here i want to examine this i want to take this further I, and then and i really have been in that you know i i've became I, I i dissect it you know in a way that people don't understand or might not understand and just th- see me out there playing around, but I'm dissecting how a crowd reacts, why a crowd reacts. And and I'm, I'm like a scientist also because I'm going around to different towns and I'm taking this thing and I'm seeing like, okay, they react here. They don't react here. Okay. This is where you have to, you know, you have to do this to do that. And so you're really like dissecting and, um, and, and doing trials almost to see what works. And that's where, I think a lot of people don't see wrestlers. They just see us out there playing around, and it's much like anything. You know, you just see a comedian. You're like, I was just talking into a microphone. I'm like, no, he has honed and crafted that. Yeah. So that works exactly how he wants it to, and um, and that's kind of. I'm I'm not saying I'm honed and crafted the art of uh, comedy wrestling, but uh, I've spent a lot of time, and I really, really do think about it, and I think about why the reasons why they do laugh and why they don't laugh, and why something would work and wouldn't work. I think too that it's found this way to kind of parlay into well i mean i don't know i may be off here but it's i feel like you and and punk and and brian are some of the first to kind of come up in into wrestling from an era of it's always been a work or at least it has been for for most of your life this is like post john stossel expose stuff like you're growing up with a perspective that isn't you've never had to like worry about like oh my god like i hope dusty Rhodes is okay after the four horsemen attacked him mm-hmm. um but i feel like you have the, a, a little bit of more of a like of like a fourth wall like perspective yeah i always saw the show aspect of it I, yeah I, it's not like i did not believe it but i just like i don't know the real fake thing didn't it just wasn't in my head while i was watching it i was just watching to enjoy right yeah. right um, but I think that it's, it's been interesting, I guess, to watch your personality grow and 
to see the way you transitioned into the podcast world and and the way you carry the Colt Cabana brand now because I feel like Colt Cabana the wrestler and and you are so in sync not in the same way as like the you know turning the volume up on part of your personality way it's just like we know that you're having a good time when you're wrestling we also know that you're having a good time when you're talking to wrestlers and all that it's it's all sort of together do you think about that yeah and i do think about like wanting to do like become a major bad guy but then just knowing like well how would that work when i just want to be a a sweet a sweet baby boy on interviews you know right it's that's hard to do and i think jericho is doing that's something he does and um you know i don't know if it's for good or for bad but it's something that because he's playing you know chris jericho plays a, a big evil guy in AEW, but then he does these podcasts and he wants to be over and he wants to be liked by everyone he's not playing a heel or anything so um there is those two worlds and that's a that's a world that we've set up for ourselves in wrestling that hey these are separate i don't know for good or bad right i don't know um but it's kind of the reality i just don't think people well i I say that wrong like if you want to commit you could really commit and if people wanted to commit they could um but your merch line is going to be a lot right you have to sacrifice yourself and that's something i said very early on when i started the podcast is like i have to be a baby face because I have to make a living and the heels aren't selling t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Now it could have been a great long I could have made the long commitment to it where I would be where I would be I would I'm willing to not sell t-shirts and be such a great bad guy that eventually I'd get scooped up by a company and make that money back on the t-shirts lost because I was so committed. But that wasn't a commitment I wanted to make. Also, right. I liked being a good guy, and I liked uh, being friends with the, with the fans and the wrestlers. Well, I mean, you and you get to provide this aspect of of the show that I think it, it's one of the truly great things about wrestling, and especially going to wrestling shows that you're on is you can have a you know an athletic competition, a blood feud. And then a Colt Cabana match. And it's all part of the same <laughs> yeah, show. But it was like that when I started doing this. But now, and I'm not saying that this isn't a thing, but in your context of what that match is, now you go to a show and there's seven Colt Cabana matches. Right. So it's kind of taken over a little bit. Where there once upon a time, I, I was the only one doing a little silliness. And now silliness is such a huge part of the show, especially on the underground scene. Yeah. I mean, and especially in like a place like Logan Square where all of them half the half the <laughs> audience is is trying to come up with the best Jokes. the best thing to yell. Yeah, right. Does that does that get under your skin? Gets under my skin after a while, yeah, you know, these freaking But you know, I don't know. I have I go back and forth with myself as this is the paying customer, let them do what they want, but also like you're just ruining it for everybody, but they the person the type of person that does that doesn't know that they're ruining it for everyone. They're just, they're monsters of people, so that's just who they are. Yeah. So eventually, you do go to WWE. You go up north, or you go to what, Ohio Valley, and then Florida Championship, yeah. and then WWE. How long are you there in total? Uh, a little under two years. I think a year and ten months. I was under contract. Yeah. April of 2007 to uh, February of 2009. Okay. Yeah. You spent most of that... What, in Ohio? Yeah, I spent a year in OVW, and then uh, once I got to Florida, I think after about four months, I debuted on WWE television, but I was still in Florida. I didn't get to move back or anything. I, I, I stayed in Florida until I got fired. Yeah. The whole the whole time, I just look at it, and it's just like, 
why do they sign you? You know, <laughs> it's like. Well, they that they ask themselves the same question, right? Uh, they, you know, Vince McMahon didn't sign me. Kevin Dunn didn't sign me. John Laurinaitis only signed me because everyone told him to sign me. Uh huh. And enough people pressured him to be like, "This guy is good. You guys are idiots if you don't sign him." Never once did he sign me because he was wildly impressed with my professional wrestling. Right. So that happens. Yeah. And then and then you you come out and we we talked we touched on this a little bit, you know, uh you go back to ROH and Jim Cornette chases you out. What why? Why? Uh well there was a specific time why. Well Jim had told me that he he didn't think funny equaled money when I was at Ring of Honor. But he was just there hanging out. He wasn't really a big integral part of it. And I really didn't at the time, I didn't think he disliked me. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, that's interesting. But I'm a good wrestler, so obviously he likes me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and then it's kind of funny because it's this thing that led to this giant match and this giant feud with Kevin Steen and El Generico. And it all had to do with, like, Kevin Steen's... People on the internet thought his knee hurt. So Kevin... Uh, everyone thought he was going to retire, and then he turned on his best friend El Generico, and then that... It went on for like a year. Mm-hmm. It's something people love and remember about the company. And and um, we planted these little seeds really early. And one of the early seeds we planted was me and Kevin were, were wrestling in, um, in like a tournament match. And we were kind of just joking around. And then eventually uh, we acted like he hurt his knee and we didn't tell anybody. So everyone thought he actually hurt his knee and the match finished after four minutes. And I remember like the joking stuff we were doing because we were known on the show as both friends. We were kind of like just like really farting around in the ring. And that was the first show Jim Cornette ever came to as quote unquote, his new position. Yeah. And, um, ever since that day, he didn't know this long story that we were starting to tell. He didn't know the big picture of it. He just saw us two farting around and then Kevin getting hurt after four minutes. And so I feel from that day on, he despised both myself and Kevin Steen, who's now Kevin Owens. And, um, we just, we weren't able to, to turn his, we weren't able to change his opinion and he got a lot of power, and with that power, he decided he didn't think Cole Cabana should be on the show anymore. And it was at that time, you know, I, I think it was at that time, maybe three months later, I'm on the cover of the Chicago Reader, which at, at that point, and you know, was uh, in every, it was circulated everywhere in the city. Like if you saw the Reader, you read the Reader on the train. Everyone yeah. read the Reader, and uh, and 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 also like my my podcast was just exploding and. All these things were happening for me, and he he didn't. Jim Cornette didn't know, so um, he he was out kind of out of touch in in that sense. So my career was exploding, and Ring of Honor didn't want anything to do with me because I wasn't in their world. Huh. And, and so it was fine. Like I, you know, you're my, already you got a thing. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. My fear, you know, I loved Ring of Honor because it would give me a specific amount of bookings each month, and without them. I had just uh, enough bookings a month that I did before, and I was doing my own merch, and and I was I did way better than uh, than I did with that with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, when you had the podcast been marinating for a little while, had you been sitting for a bit? Is it something as simple as you heard Marin and you were like, no, it was, oh, I, it was about a year of obsessing about podcasts and yeah. listening with podcasts and and going on podcasts uh, and going on podcasts. And the podcast explosion hadn't really happened. It was maybe the first wave of it. 
And so all the wrestling podcasts at that point were just fans talking about wrestling over blog talk radio. That was a big thing at the time. Yeah, yeah. And it just didn't sound as professional as the this new wave of podcasts I was listening to. Mm-hmm. And it had no one in the industry talking about no one in the industry talking with people in the industry. And if it did, it wasn't it was still over a telephone line. It wasn't it wasn't good audio. And so that was my vision. So it's yeah, let me at least bring some quality here. And you have a pool of, of people that you can talk to. Right. And, and at that time, I was having these fun conversations in the locker room. We were discussing real life. Because at that point, too, I had been fired from WWE. Uh, I think TNA rejected me. And so just I, I there was not only the fun conversations in the locker room, normal, normal locker room talk, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, then normal that stuff. But there was also a lot of serious conversations happening because there was serious stuff happening to at least me. And I'm one of the, I'm someone who would bring it out of people of just like let's talk about this okay let's dive into it and and I knew it's not like it was being recorded unless Sean Stasiak was there uh, so it was just uh, that was a reference to a man who used to rec- secretly record uh, uh, audio <laughs> in a WWF <laughs> locker room and not tell anybody until the wrestlers found out and then beat the fuck out of him so uh, no one was rec- recording it and I was just like man I bet people would love to listen to these conversations yeah there's a quote from the first episode that just blew my mind listening to it where you talk about first of all you talk about some people thinking that it's a bad idea Mm -hmm, of course um which yeah let's touch on that before i get to the other part of it because what's bad about it so it would be like if you're a wrestler that's all you do and if and if you're doing stuff that fans do you're just a fan Uh uh-huh and it's very bad to be a fan at least at that point in 2010 um it's it's you know, maybe not as much well especially when i started in, in 99 yeah it's bad to be a fan you you don't do what the fans do you do you do what the wrestlers do and the fans will follow you and watch you so to do a podcast is basically you're doing a thing fans do this is not what wrestlers do uh you're just a a fan boy that's all you are is it is there any of that sort of you know, wrestling has always been a very closed door society. Is is it? Is there aspects of that where it's like you can't talk about this sort of stuff? No, because you could talk about that sort of stuff if a fan asks you those questions on his. Oh, sure. Or yeah. her radio show. Uh huh. But now you're being the part of what the fan is because I'm the one asking the questions. Interesting. So now I'm the fan. But it, it, yeah. Oh, so, like that's wild to think that you got into wrestling for any reason other than the fact that you're a fan of it right but now i but but i've learned i've paid my money i've paid my dues i've gotten beaten up i've done the road uh-huh i've done everything that the fan hasn't done so now i'm something different yeah i'm, I'm in the profession yeah, yeah i've learned the job i'm a doctor you know i've put in my seven years uh-huh so i'm not i'm not a person who just likes to watch er i'm now the fucking er doctor I think what I find interesting about that, I think it's the thing that I really connected to with the art of wrestling, and it's, I think, the biggest connection that I have to anybody who comes in here is similar to the way that you talk about hearing no effects for the first time. We've all got those experiences. It's the reason I buy these things obsessively. It's the reason that I want to talk to people about the things that they make and the connections that you have to people when they're on the show. It's... It all starts with 
how you got into wrestling, how you got into this crazy world that you're in. Mm -hmm. Um, Was that part of the vision going into it or how, how they got, how my friends got into wrestling? Yeah. Cause I feel like that's, that's the big connection. That's the connective tissue to all the conversations that you have. Well, my, no, my, my, in my head, it's the vision of struggle. Uh huh. It's the struggle to get to where we've, we've done. So part of it is obviously getting into wrestling or why we fell in wrestling, but it's the stories of struggle. Mm-hmm. It's the stories that people don't know about, especially for the, the wrestlers that were very famous or are very famous. And we only think, look at this person. They are a millionaire. They are better than us. We are nothing like them. And then my my vision is, no, they believe me, if you knew, they are exactly like you. Right. Uh, and they are, they are here to, to inspire. Steve Austin gets fired from a job, and then he goes to ECW where he just yells at a camera for a right. few but months. But even before and that, then he he's, goes, "Yeah, he, he's right. work. You know, he's working a job, doesn't know what to do. You know, they offer him a wrestling spot, and he's just working these shitty towns for twenty five dollars, right? And wondering, you know, maybe Steve Austin's not the best example, but there's a lot of people. Kevin Owens is, is my favorite example of Kevin Kevin Steen." assuming the way he looks he doesn't look like a wwf wrestler so he has to get a job working a factory and he's one of the top independent wrestlers but he's then going and working at a factory job overnights Mm -hmm. it's just like how do you get out of that funk like and then the idea that someone can relate to that like wow i didn't realize that this person has a job like we do is a person like we are and i feel that that will make you a bigger fan of a person if you only knew that story. And I didn't feel those stories were out there enough. Also, they were out there in these things that we would call shoot interviews, but those shoot interviews were $20 a thing and maybe 200 people would buy those. They're fucking depressing too. And they're long and uh-huh. right and they're and it's just a camera on a person. Yeah. And so I love I love the idea of audio. I love the idea cuz I was taking all these trips and car trips and on flights that it's you know, when I would take the blue line to the to O'Hare and then, you know, it's just like I, I want something in my ears and I'm not a music guy. So I love audio. I always have. And so I thought this was a great way to pass the time for people and also become fans of wrestlers in ways they didn't think they could be. Um, I love that. I really do. And it's it's most of the people that I talk to for this thing, they they don't get to do music as their job. Nobody really gets to do that anymore because of the way the industry has changed so much so it's it's about doing your art around the thing that you have to do to make your art stable enough so that you can not work for a month and go on tour right i don't know if i could do my job just as a wrestler you know just wrestling yeah you know maybe i i could probably get by but right my income comes from everything around wrestling and and I get to and then bonus I get to get paid to wrestle sometimes <laughs> most of the time <laughs> a lot of the times. Um, the other part of that quote is is you say I I want to carve out a a little corner, uh, of the internet for myself. Like that what, was from re- the first episode. Yeah, what okay. wrestler has that right now? None, and it's just like. Holy shit, nine years later. <laughs> you got wrestling's coming back to TNT because of a fucking YouTube show. Right. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Oh, yeah, it is. It's it's AEW. It's great. They're, they're going to no, be on I mean, TNT. No, I mean, I didn't know I said that. Thanks for the update. <laughs> um, Obviously, there has been a little bit of a dialogue coming out now that you've announced that the thing is ending the way that, Art of wrestling has been part of 
such a change in in the industry do you do you let yourself take that in is that something that you yeah but every time i do i'm like don't be an egomaniac you know yeah. <laughs> like uh i mean i i knew some you know until what happened with steve austin was like oh podcasts are cool and then once he did it everyone remembers the same thing from episode one where i was just like Every, the whole industry is going to be like, you're a fanboy. Don't do that. Uh-huh. And so once Steve Austin did it, well, then you're allowed to do it because he's the best wrestler of all time. Right. So up until he started it, I was riding like four years of like in my head, like I know this is cool. Yeah. And no one's really doing it. And this is pretty great. And I, I look forward to it. And I like looking at the iTunes list of like all my guests. And I, I see like the sweet lineup of oh, like it's obscure the best, wrestlers. Yeah. 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 And, um, and so, yeah, and then once a lot of people start diving into it and, um, you know, it, it diluted it a little bit and then um, it just it, it kind of the whole it, the whole podcasting wrestling podcasting world kind of I don't want to say get dil- got diluted, but as people started f- finding out it, I think it, it's great for it because you listen to what you want to listen to. I think only for a while people only knew of my show. Yeah. So uh, which is great for me. <laughs> but, you know, so now they get whatever audio they want there's a lot of great options out there and in 20 years there's probably gonna be a million more options so uh and by 20 years i mean next month when the wwe comes out with their own podcasting network right um but yeah it it started becoming more of a job for me um or like i had to do this because it's something i've been doing and and why would i not do it as opposed to like those first five years where like i couldn't wait to talk to my friends and put out an episode and and see the list grow and the collection grow. Yeah, it's like I remember finding it, and it's when you're talking to people like Ryder and and Daniel Bryan and and Kofi, and they're all in these like weird spots. All three of those guys were at the times that they were over talking to you about it, and it's just like, man, this is this is such an insight into. Just how it never gets easy. You get there, and then Zack Ryder's like, they, they just aren't using me. Right. So I had to do a thing. And Brian's there, and he's just like, nobody likes wrestling around here. Nobody wants to set the ring up. Like, what's up with that? And Kofi's just like, yeah, I don't know. I'm be on the mid card forever, I guess. And and that, I guess, for like my experience watching those people, it's all part of it seeing the way that they have gone on to you're a little happier the once things. they become a little more successful right yeah you're invested in them yeah of course. definitely of course. um do you do you want to talk about the punk interview we don't have to if you don't want yeah, to yeah I, I mean i yeah. got a context for it was it was a th- thing i don't even know if i legally can talk about anything to me i'm still in a mess with it um i listened to your trial updates yeah oh my god you just sound so tired yeah like i was getting the physical symptoms that you were getting like just like he's like you know it's it's tough when you when you're listening to someone who's usually hey guys yeah and man just the exhaustion in your voice and then the week after that i remember trying to doing my my intro and just like there was nothing in me yeah and i just remember that like they're like even trying to fake it like all right how you doing and i was just like it wasn't coming out of me so yeah it was exhausting has it been has it been kind of did it ever 
go back up yeah from yeah, there? yeah yeah about a month and a half afterwards i mean i remember the feeling it's kind of the same thing like i recently hurt my quad and i couldn't move my quad and i knew that i had a, a hematoma and there was this blood all around it and i just i knew in a month the blood would go away uh the blood would disperse back into my body and i'd be able to move my quad yeah but it's hard being a week into it being like i can't move this is awful but i do know that in a month's time this will go away and i remember talking to my lawyer just being like i'm de- I, I i i have this crazy feeling within my body it's unlike i've anything i've ever felt before it's very high um i'm i'm very low uh and he's like, that'll go away. And I was like, I know. I know it'll go away, but I'm letting you right like, now. He's like, it'll go away. Believe me. And so I just remember being like, okay, I'm just going to wait this out and wait this out. And so I just knew that in six months or in six weeks, I would have a sense of my normal self. But at that time, you know, you just have to sit there and go, okay, I, it'll be fine in six weeks. But I, right now, it's, it's pretty bad. And so I, I've never been someone with depression or really mental illness, but it gives you a good understanding of what someone like that goes through. Like you just have no control over it. Right. It's just situations that are happening, being in this trial, this major trial that's at court where apparently you could, you know, where someone else wants to take $40 million from you that you don't have. And just thinking about what your life would be if that person wins. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that's some, that's what can do that to your, to yourself, I guess. Dude, I, I like, I, I lose my mind when uh when like my friends annoyed with me or <laughs> I perceive them to be annoyed just by the text message that they sent me. Yeah. Like I couldn't just sweat and think right, about right. it. Right. Yeah, so now multiply that by a, a million. I and I, I mean forgive me for asking. But how How much money do you have? <laughs> how many fucking times do you have somebody asking you about that at- so it's hard it's yeah. very hard it's it's uh and, and not it, to be the n- no, 999 no, no, but, I mean, but yeah. i've had this discussion with people where someone will be like i'm okay with talking about the idea of talking about it yeah but in the moment when someone's like how's he doing are you still friends blah, blah, blah. and it right it takes me from this high to this just like i what i say is it just i just check out yeah. And I've seen on the internet people like Cabana's a dick, Cabana's a dick. You know, I asked him this, Cabana's a dick. And it's just like, man, like I wasn't. I was just checked out. Like I just, I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to talk about it with you, not you, the, the person asking me. Uh-huh. And so I just kind of stopped talking. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to build this conversation further. I'm not going to pretend like something's not happening. It's just, it makes me sad and I just stop and I check out. Does it affect your. Has it ever affected your relationship with wrestling? No. No, because I, I know, you know, I saw what wrestling did to people, especially, you know, a friend that was the number one wrestler in the world and hated wrestling. Yeah. And I just say to myself, I'm glad that I don't hate wrestling. Yeah. So I, I love wrestling. And I put myself in a position where I haven't allowed myself to hate wrestling. Or wrestling hasn't put me in a position where I hate it. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I mean, when you, um, like when you changed the format of Art of Wrestling, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of years ago, was that trying to, were you just out of people to interview? Out You're of like, people to interview. Yeah. <laughs> uh, didn't want to have to bug anybody to, for an hour anymore. Sometimes didn't have an hour's worth of stuff to talk about. 
Uh, and right, so I changed it from a long form and uh, long form interview process or a conversation to this um, kind of like journey diary that I did, and I love the journey diary. It's fucking awesome. Uh, I appreciate, it. yeah, like because that was. And, and when I started listening to podcasts, I really liked the Marins and I really liked the Chris Hardwicks and the, and those, and those, you know, and the Adam Carollas and that stuff. And then as I've been listening to podcasts and podcasts have expanded, I've really been into the NPR style of podcasting. And, uh, maybe I just didn't have a good, you know, it was just me doing it. So maybe my team wasn't good enough to really build a narrative and, uh, build a, a you know, something there. But some of those, some of the episodes where it is the journey, I feel they're really strong episodes. Yeah. Uh, especially where I'm in China or I'm in Tokyo. Or when you go to New Japan for the fucking first time. Right. That's insane. Yeah. That has to be like, I but, mean, for somebody who's been doing it as long as you have, you're going how many years into your career and you're you're going to the hottest company in the world mm-hmm. and working yeah hanging out with okada and so it's cool to for that stuff to be documented yeah yeah but uh yeah it's just and then i i changed it from asking friends for for an hour to like oh maybe i'll just ask friends for 5 minutes but now i have to ask five friends a week and uh, that anxiety a little bit kind of wore on me that i i was just kind of sick of having to ask people for stuff even though it was, it, all the wrestlers, no one disliked it. Uh, they were happy to do it. Yeah. But and, and it was well for them too. You know, anyone could plug anything, and anyone could you know talk about anything they wanted to. But it just seemed like I was asking too much out of too many people, and that's kind of was the big decision of uh, of maybe it was time to stop that format. Yeah. You got a you got new beginnings, and you're good at those. Unless this thing that you're talking about pans out, and then we can get more art of wrestling. New beginnings. Oh, yeah. I'm good at doing new things. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. It's like all all of your stories start with, yeah, this thing was it kicked me in the ass, or right. I was done with it, and then I started something new, and then ten years later, yeah, now it's time. Yeah, dude, it was. This is something that I've always wanted to do, to have you on the show because art of wrestling was, for me, it was, I guess, similar to, you know, hearing Marin and and stuff like that, but. I could never interview someone like that. But then hearing Art of Wrestling and hearing the way it was about the wrestling community it's given me a lot to do with this. So it was really nice having you over. Well, I'll, I'll say the same thing that Mark Marin said to me uh, privately, and it was, uh, I'm glad I could inspire. Thanks, Colt. Yeah. All right. Hey, holy cow, my guy. Colt Cabana over here on my podcast. What a dream and what an interview. So much to latch on to in that. So much to think about. The changes that we make, the way one path leads us to the next. It was such a treat having Colt over, letting me interview him and talking real about things. However they shape up, there are few people out there with a greater ability to adapt and to put fun and heart into things. Huge thanks to Colt for stopping by. Check out Colt Cabana online. ColtMerch.com, DigitalColt.com, Patreon.com, slash Colt Cabana, Twitter and Instagram, at Colt Cabana, Facebook.com, slash Colt Cabana, ColtWrestling at gmail.com. This is very public email. If you're a promoter and want to put him on your upcoming show or convention, 
has a YouTube channel. He also has a website, ColtCabana.com, Pro Wrestling Tees slash Colt Cabana is where you can get his shirts if you don't go to ColtMerch.com. Subscribe to The Art of Wrestling, dig into that backlog, and stay subscribed. Stay on, and who knows, maybe something will pop back up. You never know. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Follow us on Spotify. Help spread the word. Rate, write a review, tell a friend. I'm on Twitter, at BetterYetPod. We are on Bandcamp, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. Pick up a copy of All of God's Money, our tribute to Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Our website is betteryetpod.com. Patreon is patreon.com slash betteryetpodcast. And thank you so much. Thank you, Chloe and Lily. Thanks to Colt. Thanks to Pat Creed. Gonna send us home with my favorite Daniel Johnson track. It's a hefty one. We'll be back next week. I've always wanted to do this. For Tim Crisp, I'm Tim Crisp. Thanks, Bubba's. been